This is Potomania. Hello, everyone. Kevin here. Before we get started with the rest of the episode, I just wanted to take a short little break here to get you guys over to The Story Is. It's a very special podcast hosted and created by my good friend Sam Logan, co-host here on Potomania. He talks about all kinds of stories ranging from politics uh, to, you know, to issues of society, strange stories, personal stories. Uh, It's a really great podcast. Go and check it out. The Story Is, available on Anchor as well as everywhere else you get your podcast. And now, on with the show. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Potomania. I am Kevin. With me always is Sam. It is clobbering time. Woo! <laughs> um it's good to see you thank you everyone for joining us we just had the royal rumble that was uh that was fun i thought it was a yeah that was Uh, a blast bianca belair won the women's and edge won the men's uh oldberg did not beat drew mcintyre thank goodness prayers were answered prayers were answered um so i thought it was overall pretty good no huge like surprises or returns like there was the previous year um i mean carlito came back and wow is he looking fantastic shape Um, yeah so that was a surprise he's been eating his apples oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) he hasn't been (laughs) spitting them out anymore maybe that's (laughs) it's like wait a minute if i don't spit them out and i eat them maybe i'll have better physique (laughs) (laughs) that's it i'll be bigger (laughs) And then Vince McMahon will love me. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what that's what Shane McMahon's problem is. He wasn't eating his apples. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, I kind of like the winners. Uh, I like the intrigue of Edge. Um, I'm not completely down on him. Like uh, I know there's a lot of internet folks who are like, oh, another part timer. Uh, well, I mean, you can't say that and also be like, isn't it cool that Sting is wrestling again on AEW? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, come on. I saw, yeah, yeah. I saw that me- that meme about what was it? Uh, uh, Edge wins the Royal Rumble. It's like, uh, Sting walks down a ramp. Yes, this is awesome. I know, right? It's like, like, but uh, I'm really intrigued. Oh. Like all three ideas of who he could go against are great. Um, yeah, and the fact that they're they're even uh, dabbling with the idea of three options, which is something yeah, we never I, talk about. Yeah, and I, the the more I think about it, I think strange enough, I, I think it will either be, most likely it's going to be Roman, um, because also Edge is a big star, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roman's the big heel. He's the big star in the company now. He's on the A show, SmackDown, a mm-hmm. national audience. So they want to build WrestleMania. They want to build uh, hype. They're going to do it on the 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 show that has a national audience with their two big stars. Um, 
but I could also see it going NXT. Um, yeah, just, just to uh, shake it up. Yeah, and also to give the shine to NXT because they're struggling uh, going head to head with AEW every week, um, which sucks because the the product is great. It's just you know it's in an unfortunate time slot where people mm-hmm. choose and they you know they'll watch that one later. Um, yeah, especially when they get there's the um, there's the perception that it's basically the triple a for wwe yeah yeah and it, so it, why would why would you watch the uh why would you watch the yeah. amateurs when you you're watching the pros on yeah and having edge kind of like last year when charlotte challenged for the women's title having edge challenged for the nxt title gives it a little bit more prestige um and also, which I think is something that is needed for that title. A lot of great wrestlers have held the NXT titles, both of them, men's and women's. Um, but they haven't had any, you know, um, they need it like a legend or two, like to come in and hold it for a little bit or, yeah. or at least challenge for it to give it that kind of next level, like, like oh, to them, this isn't stepping down, it's stepping over to yeah. NXT to this title because that you know and having Edge challenge for it would give it that kind of no this is a prime title if someone like Edge who's back and he only has a little bit of time left um, presumably in his career um, that he would spend his time on that title as right would make it a big deal um I don't think he yeah. should. and I I also I don't think Edge should win any of these matches. Um, yeah. I don't I don't think he should I could kind of see him getting it from Drew McIntyre maybe. Right. I think Drew's in a unique place where uh, even if he loses I think he he won't lose his spot so to speak on the the card so Yeah. Um, that's but that there's no way he's beating Roman. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have Roman carry that title for a long time. Really? I wouldn't be surprised what? if they try and keep it on him until he breaks Brock's record. Really? In the modern era, it Brock it was CM Punk who had right. the longest title run, and then Brock broke it, uh the last title run he had, or the hmm. one before that anyway. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if they let Roman beat that one, uh, especially there are rumors of trying to set up another a Brock versus Roman three at WrestleMania at some point in the future, um, and also uh, versus The Rock. Presumably, if not at next WrestleMania, at the one after that, which would be in L.A., um, mm. which, I mean, Hollywood, you know, he's right. Hollywood and all that. I think that's a little yeah. too long to wait for that match. Personally. I think it's too long for I, me. Uh, I think it's too long to to get to wait for the payoff for the Roman angle. I mean, yeah, he's been like this all year, you know. As far yeah. as the and it, not just I mean not the calendar year, but the wrestling year from yeah. WrestleMania to WrestleMania. <laughs> um, it feels like if you want to build up your roster more and put some shine on 
some guys to be the next big face, especially if you're not necessarily all in on Drew McIntyre. Yeah. You need another hot baby face. And the way to do that is to have him beat Roman at WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. Who that is, I don't know. Um, but it well, I, but I, I think it, them having Edge beat Drew for his title. Mm-hmm. And then following WrestleMania, you have Drew go on to SmackDown and have him go at Roman. Right. For his title. And you could even build it up to SummerSlam and have Drew take it off Roman at SummerSlam and kind of be like, okay, here's your big big heel of the company. Here's your Triple H. Here's your Rock. Here's your Mr. Mm-hmm. McMahon. And then here's your hero that everyone yeah. actually does like this time. You know, it's not yeah. Cena or early Roman. Um, <laughs> right. So. Yeah, which I think, I I think, think based... Was- I think, and based off of their their strategy and their investment in Drew McIntyre, I think that's the way to go. Definitely. If anyone's really going to put down this version of Roman, it's got to be Drew. If you believe in Drew, yeah, you got to have him take him down. Yeah, and, and it would it, be it would be a huge moment, crowd or no crowd. Yeah, that's going to be huge. It would be, yeah. Um, and this kind of dovetails into the. One of the discussions I want to have today is the future of wrestling. Um, as we speak, recently it was announced WWE had sold the, basically they're moving much of their content from the network onto Peacock, NBC's Peacock, which for me is, uh, okay. If, yeah. I've already subscribed to the network. If they, they said they have a plan to like, for people who are already sub- sub- subscribed, to migrate have some deal to where now you get it through peacock which i'm like okay great then i can watch the office and parks and rec again um right because right now i have no reason to get peacock uh no no there isn't um but with the network stuff i'll be like oh and it's cheaper hmm. or if i don't want ads it's the same price plus i get all the nbc stuff um which would be cool that yeah, would be good. We already have, I mean, a few years ago, um, the billion dollar deal with Fox. So mm-hmm. Vince McMahon making big money deals. Um, AEW with Dynamite on uh, TNT. They've been doing very well. TNT seems to be all in, uh, so to speak, on right. AEW. Um just two years ago i think maybe it was last year time is running out on me yeah Uh, they uh it's irrelevant to this point yeah they signed an extension uh after i think only a year of dynamite they signed a four or five year extension for dynamite plus a a secondary tv show uh, possibility at some point um and i heard they were on their way to doing that and then COVID hit and it was like all right let's just have our one show and you know when we're back to having live crowds and making big profit again we can yeah do a second show but all this comes to mind and recently it seems like new japan pro wrestling has made a deal with aew so they're going to have some of those guys you know crossing over that's really the second big worldwide company behind wwe is new japan 
and then you have AEW and they already have the deal with impact. So they're doing cross stuff with that. Uh, I think it's only, which is really what everybody should be doing. Yeah. And survive. I, and I think it's only a matter of time before they get ring of honor, uh, you know, roped in, Mm -hmm. uh, that way they're all working together. NWA is, is, is doing something with them too, but they're kind of doing it with everyone. Um, my big question is, what do you see as the future of wrestling? Are we headed towards another boom period uh, like in the 90s when you had WCW and you had WWE and to a lesser extent, ECW, but, you know, but you had, you know, between all the wrestling shows on TV, you had anywhere north of 10 million people in the U.S. watching wrestling every week. Um I mean, now, if you can get 2 million people watching wrestling every week, mm-hmm. it's amazing that that's a yeah. win. Uh, but back then, it was in the double digits between the two shows, um, just between Nitro and Raw itself. Um, so, yeah. Uh, or do you think we're past that and we'll never get to that level anymore? And this is an upswing, but it, it won't necessarily get back to that level or do you think like all signs are pointing to top of the hilltop um i think just the fact that tnt has professional wrestling on its channel again shows you that anything is possible Mm. that is a network that totally gave up on professional wrestling and jumped on a not so well-known product put it on its television and ran with it and is doubling down on it if that can happen how can i not say that we can't have an upswing similar to i don't think surpassing the good old days of of the monday night wars but i think with uh the combined events of of just the, the progress of talent that's going to be mixed up between the, the uh, federations and crowds finally coming back. We're going to see people mm-hmm. at WrestleMania. And that's eventually going to be other places too. We're going to figure out how to have crowds. I mean, the Super Bowl's having an audience. Yeah, people in there. That's going to have an effect on viewership. Yeah. So how can I not say that with AEW on TNT, with the WWE not only surviving COVID and surviving financially by with some really smart deals, with some really great talent, how can I not say that when things open up more that you're gonna see both uh, really good ticket sales and really good viewership once things open up more we're already i mean we're we're in just a few months we're going to be getting to the starting line of something closer to what we're used to and i'm thinking we're going to see things swinging back higher right what do you think i the aw thing i i i want to say like that's like that's the big key here is not only is the WWE getting billions of dollars for their content um, and on national Mm -hmm. stages where 
they will be seen by twice as many people as you know people who watch USA Network. Um, but that there's a rival company on it's not a network, but it's on a big cable network of TNT um, in a prime time spot. And they're, they're throwing all the ads on, they're cross promoting it with other shows, mm-hmm. sometimes to a negative uh, <laughs> thing where you have uh, Shaq's on TNT on NBA. Why don't we have him do something with AEW? Okay. <laughs> uh, R- Cody, you can do a match with him. Sure. Wait, I'm doing a match with who now? <laughs> oh. oh, oh, oh. Okay, I'm gonna have to work. Um, <laughs> but you know, all that aside, like they, they seem to be really behind it. However, I think back to the reality of in the 90s, WCW was TNT was never behind WCW, even when they were making huge amount of amounts of money. Mm-hmm. You know, the only person who was behind it was was uh, Ted Turner, and all yeah. the other executives around him thought, like, why do we we want to be Prestige Network? Why do we have this stupid yep. Southern wrestling thing on? Yeah. And as soon as they could oust Ted Turner, they were like, all right, let's get rid of this wrestling crap. Mm-hmm. Um, That's exactly right. Even though they had, you know, they weren't doing they weren't doing the best uh, business wise, but they weren't doing terribly comparatively speaking um and now you know it's a whole different era and the whole thing about content and with the streaming wars changing how live television is done um and the whole idea of what's keeping a lot of people's tv and cable prescriptions a lot subscriptions alive is live sports yep that's the one thing that a lot of these streaming networks can't give you is live sports. Um, although Amazon's working on it. Yeah. Um, eventually Amazon and or Disney will own everything. So I'm assuming mm-hmm. in like 20 years, none of this will matter and everything will be either on Amazon or Disney. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. They will own your phones, they will own your, your internet, they will own your <laughs> entertainment. Yeah. They will give you the things you love and then repackage it again for when you're older for you to buy again a second time yes yeah uh, and with a sh- with a shut with a shuttle option to go to the moon yes uh yeah. <laughs> they'll amazon <laughs> prime you to the moon <laughs> um so uh, there are all these things that come to mind and i i i think what we might get back to i don't think we're going to get back to you know five million people watching raw and you know four million people, six million people watching Dynamite. Um, but I, I think we might get back to what it was in the early 2000s around the ruthless aggression era where business had kind of died down and they weren't getting the 5.0, 6.2 ratings that they were getting in the 90s. But, you know, they were getting like 3.4, 3.6 ratings. Mm-hmm. Uh, which now, if you got a three point anything, holy crap! You you had a huge show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I, I I'm not one of those fans who likes to go deep on ratings, but I, in terms of measuring how many people are into it, I think it might become that 
I think it might go the way of how UFC got big in that like if you just look at the internet it seems like everyone's into UFC yeah like everyone thinks it's cool but if you go out in the real world like yeah people are into it and there are people who you're shocked like oh really you're into it oh cool okay mm-hmm. but it's not something people hide their interest in or have to feel like I, ju- I need to justify it it's like oh you're just you like that okay i think mm-hmm. that's where it's going to get to where you do have a lot of people watching you know wwe aew all these other shows watching wrestling but i don't i think it will still remain in that level of I don't want to say genre entertainment, but but basically genre entertainment where it's mm-hmm. it's, it's de- yeah it's definitely a it's definitely a niche more than it is a broad based appeal. Yeah, I I you know I would say it would be on the level if we compared it to sports, and in the '90s they were on the level of the NFL, if not sometimes higher. I think they will never get to the NFL level again, but I think they might get up maybe to baseball levels or 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 nhl levels you know where it's Mm -hmm. like a lot of people and it's a huge audience um from week to week who follow and are devoted to it Mm -hmm. uh but it's not the nfl you know it's not you know so that that's what i think um uh but i do see a lot of people writing like i think we're heading for another boom period and i'm like I'm tempering my expectations because I, I think it is going to be a boom, quote unquote, but I don't think it's going to be the huge boom that people are wanting or expecting. Um, right. Because I mean, there's there's two sides to it. There's the there's the financial, and then there's the and there's the ratings. There's the technological. Yeah. And then there's creative. There's yeah. Do you have the people who are compelling enough mm-hmm. to draw people in? I mean, you had Hogan in the 80s, who were broad-based appeal. You had The Rock and Stone Cold. You had Hogan on the other end on WCW. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, for a time, and you had guys, you know, like the like The Rock. You have guys like CM Punk, who straddle the line of of reality and fiction. Yeah. yeah. And guys like Stone Cold, who really grab your attention, who go, I gotta see this. Mm-hmm. So I think. That's the other. That's the other part of it that maybe we don't we didn't necessarily address is, are there compelling stories and there are compelling people that demand an audience? Yeah, and, and on the people side, one thing I do want to bring up is, and I only bring up WWE because they're the biggest competition in town, but they moved away from the huge megastar building factory that they were in terms of. Okay, here's our huge star. It's Hogan. And then here are other huge stars and Macho Man and, you know, whoever. Um, and then Austin and Rock and Triple H and Undertaker. And then, yep. uh, and then John Cena and people he's beating. Um, <laughs> they've gone away from that because I think Vince got scared of he would build up these huge stars and then he lost them all to WCW and they were getting reaping the benefits of the stardom that he helped create. 
So I think he kind of shifted at the end of the 90s, going to, into the ruthless aggression era of like, I do need a guy who I can put the company, you know, the company on. You know, I need a Cena. I, but like, aside from that, I think he, he he's kind of has the mentality of, I want the biggest star to be the WWE. I don't mm -hmm. want it to be any particular, because I, I think he gets in this mindset of, if I lose a wrestler, if like the idea of like, if tomorrow Roman Reigns decides I'm quitting, I'm going to AEW, which he never will. But in this fantasy <laughs> idea, if he does that, like Vince can be like, that hurts, but also I have another guy and it's fine. And your star power might come over a little bit, but once you're outside of the Vince McMahon world, that star power is not going to be as strong as like when Hogan left. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you know, any number of the 80s stars who left in the 90s. Um, right. Uh, because I, I, I really think John Cena was the last huge megastar that they will create. I think everyone else after that is just going to be creating big players who can play their role. Mm -hmm. I think he's much more into that. Once right. he's gone, I don't know what direction they're going to go in. If they're going to go back into the, you know, we need to make huge mega stars again um, or not. But that, I mean, that's how they were drawing their ratings was these huge mega stars that crossed over into the mainstream. But mm -hmm. I mean, they don't really have that anymore. I mean, Roman Reigns is very recognizable. He's their biggest star right now. Right. I don't think he has crossover appeal. Like, I can't go to my mom and be like, hey, you know, Roman Reigns should be like, who? right this is a history thing yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's true though um it's interesting that he he finally hit his stride once he turns heel yeah i know right <laughs> isn't that isn't that the weirdest thing is yeah and he's actually he's the one that's saving the wwe right oh, now. oh he is he really is from from what i've heard of other people because i don't study the ratings yeah. From what he, I've heard from other people, yeah. he's the one people are watching now. He's the draw. The guy he, that they've been booing for years now mm -hmm. are like, this guy's interesting. I want to see what he's going to do. He's no longer have, afraid of an assassination attempt. Yeah. The, he's not wearing the bulletproof vest. <laughs> he, he, he attempts vehicular homicide on a pay-per-view. <laughs> um, I did see a funny thing about that. Uh, <laughs> It had the clip of him in the golf cart running over Kevin Owens. And it said, Roman Reigns continuing the family tradition of attempting vehicular <laughs> homicide people who, who give stunners. <laughs> oh, <laughs> isn't really that the love. truth? Um, oh. Anyway, um, speaking oh. of heels, why don't we get into our top five discussion? top five heel turns mm -hmm. um this was just kind of a topic i had in the back of my head and i was like yeah let's do that this week um or this month um but actually going through it i was like oh this is fun and i had a lot of fun trying to put this one together too um and we might have a few surprises I, i'm pretty sure we might have one or two of the same ones um mm -hmm. Maybe in different placing, but right. I'm pretty sure I have at least one or two, maybe two, 
definitely one in common with you. Um, yeah, and there's one that's is, like like I told you, there's one uh, that is huge that I purposely dropped because I'm like, Kevin's going to cover this. This is <laughs> totally in his wheelhouse. If it's not on his list, I'm going to I'm going to lose it. I'm just going to lose it. Yeah. So um, before we get into that, uh, did you have any honorable mentions that just missed out on your list? I have one honorable mention that has plenty of problems with it. Also, I thought for sure you were going to break into like a, a, a sponsored ad. First of all, before we get to our list, Audible, <laughs> do you have ears? Do you like to listen to stuff? Uh, <laughs> do you want to listen to Stephen Fry read you Greek myths? Well, now you can. <laughs> Tired, of, <laughs> little, uh, Tired of using your eyeballs? Don't you Audible. Don't you wish books had less words and more talkings? Isn't it about time someone did the reading for you? Audible. <laughs> Speaking Do you of know what Ethan Hawke writes things, Audible. <laughs> um, I actually I actually downloaded because uh, I I am subscribed to Audible. Um, Me too. That's the and, thing. This yeah. is not a this is not a sponsor, but I am I I do like Audible. And I got a, uh, so my last monthly credit, and I got the Stephen Fry uh, Mythos book. Yeah. Because um, I was just intrigued. Um, and I always love it when the author is also reading it. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's pretty funny. And it, it's, it's shockingly really good. Wow. Like I was very surprised at how into it I was. I thought it would be one of those things where I listened to it for a few hours and then like, okay, I'll finish the rest of this later and go on to another book and then never, you know, you know, come back to it like a year from now. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I never finished that one. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm like any free chance I get, I'm like, I'll be like, hey, uh, do you mind if while I'm watching Molly, I just put some headphones in? I just... Yeah. You know, so I'll be watching my daughter and hear him recount, you know, how, you know, Uranus was castrated and all that. Uh, so. <laughs> so I, nice. Nice. Good anyway. stories you can tell your daughter one day. Yeah. Uh, so honorable mentions. You said you had one. I have one. Um, one, it's of recent memory. It's not a long heel turn, uh, but that's kind of why I like it. Uh, Batista. WrestleMania wow. 35. That was a good one. It's a pretty, I mean, it's pretty short. It's it's pretty immediate. Mm -hmm. And I think he does a good turnabout. It comes about really naturally Yeah. where he wants to take on Triple H. And the big move that I like by him was in this day when they're honoring Ric Flair, he goes and beats oh. the crap out of Ric Flair. Absolutely, yeah. And, and like, he Ric get Flair, like a month ago, a month before that had like a heart attack. And yeah. like, like he's really delicate and yeah. then it just it's like Rick, i just love the idea of them going to rick flair and be like hey i know your health isn't the best but would you mind being a segment where batista beats you up absolutely absolutely i can still sell i'm rick flair you bet i could take some bumps i'll take a few bumps <laughs> don't ask my doctor he can take zero bumps <laughs> that was he's down game. to he's down to two negative bumps <laughs> um oh, yeah that so, was a really good one and it gave us I mean, the meme 
that we all love. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Which oh. I use as often as I as I can. Um, I yeah. did. So I, I thought that was great, especially from a guy yeah. who was such a big face for yeah. a lot of, especially his best end of his run. Yeah. And I, uh, I like that at having, his run, he wanted to go out as a heel. That was very interesting. Yeah. Very, very uh, true to the industry. Yeah. And it was natural for for that storyline to go it that way. Yeah. The only the only thing that really ruined it, I've watched the match recently. Of the match. Was, was Triple H. Yeah. He wrestled like a heel. Yeah. He's supposed to be fighting for his survival, for his career that no one wants to continue. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's the only thing that ruined it. But uh, Batista, Batista was great. Even, even in the match, he was great. Yeah. So uh, that's my honorable mention. I have three honorable mentions. Uh, one is when The Rock joined the Nation of Domination. Mm. Just for the sheer impact of his career was going down the tubes. Yeah. He, the whole smiling baby face was not working. Yeah. And they turned him heel. And his run as a heel was so good. Initially with The Nation, like my favorite thing to this day, one of my top five favorite wrestling moments is when he, The Rock is giving out gifts to the other members of the Nation of Domination inside the ring and he gives them like watches and rolexes and then he turns to farouk ron simmons who's the leader at the time and he says i have something very special for you since you, you know i want to give you something very special more so than a watch and he gives them a like a huge picture of himself of the rock <laughs> and i'm like and i love that also years later it was paid off so well when Ron Simmons, Farouk, um, the Godfather, and uh, Mark Henry were all on a recording of the of an episode of Table for Three on the WWE Network. And in the middle of their like dinner, and they're all talking, they're all given gifts, and it they all have letters, and it says like, "Thanks for all the great times. Love you guys always." Here's something to remember the good times. DJ, Dwayne. Uh, and so The Rock had given them gifts. Uh, Mark Henry and uh, Godfather opened theirs and they got watches, really nice watches. Um, and then Ron Simmons opens his and he's like, again. And he's got an eight by 10 update of The Rock's current picture signed. <laughs> much love dj the rock <laughs> um which i just think is so hilarious um oh that's great um the other one i had was uh triple h he's had so damn many of them yeah was like um, which one and they're all really good and i i just so i just put i literally wrote down triple h all of them <laughs> for my yeah. uh because i could have just did top five triple h heel turns um, yeah but uh so i got that there the other one is uh when andre turned on hogan to sell, to set up their uh their big yeah, WrestleMania just, three. just just for the sheer historical impact of it um but there are so many things hinky with that the whole thing of they they wrestled before but you know now we're just gonna say that never happened um yeah 
And they've or that Andre won. never lost before. And Andre never lost before. He's the only undefeated man. Sure, sure he is. Um, and, you know, all that hinky stuff is kind of... And also, he had been a face for so long. I don't know. I can't, it, The way it was done, you kind of didn't... Or at least may, maybe you did at the time. But, uh, I mean, for me, looking back on it, you just kind of don't buy it. <laughs> it's like he allied himself with... It's, it's more of... I hate him because of his association with Bobby Heenan rather than I hate him. Yeah. Kind of thing. And for me, a good heel turn is I hate you specifically. And his was more, God, I hate that you're with Bobby Heenan now. Uh, Yeah. So. Yeah. It's more like a bad breakup. Yeah. Than your your enemy. (laughs) So let's get to our top five here. Uh, You want to go first or you want me to go first? Um... I think I should go first just because my first one is one you kind of touched on already. Okay. Um, my number five it actually is Triple H, specifically his turn against DS. Oh, that's a good one. I did think about that one. That's the that's one I wrote down. That's the first big one. That's the domino yeah. that falls. Uh, combination with that, with his interview with JR about him being the game. Game, yeah. There is this turnaround for him going from being a lackey for HBK to being his own guy. And it keeps going that way until he makes his break from DX and and, uh, links up with the corporation. And he just jumps on that rocket and it hasn't stopped going since then. That turn has given us the Triple H that we know, that you think of when you think of the best of Triple H. You think of him sticking it to to DX, helping Shane McMahon win a belt. Yeah. Because he's doing this for himself. Because he wants to be... Because it's it's his time. Yeah. So it was very... And it's it's also very... uh, I don't know, transparent, very really Triple H, aligning himself with the corporation, uh, marrying into the family, and staying on top for years. If that doesn't sum up Triple H, uh, I don't know what does. Yeah. Uh, There's a great, there's a great um, uh, short uh, movie on the internet called Wrestling Isn't Wrestling. Um. It's from uh, writer, raconteur, uh, alleged, alleged uh, sexual assaulter, uh, Max Landis. Uh, oh, yeah. If you can stomach Max Landis for like 25 minutes or so. Uh, yeah. It's an amazing, and he, t- he tells a great story. And it's all like mm-hmm. taking the career of Triple H and telling it as one long story. As also why wrestling is awesome. And it makes like all the twists and turns in his character, especially when he turned heel, have makes so much sense. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a really good one. And he it's like he became Darth Vader after that. He was I remember him talking about that. He he had an interview where he's looking back on that time and he was like, We all got all we got all these really big baby faces and we have all these heels that are you know but they're also cheered like we don't have a darth vader someone who's like the looming villain and 
He was like, I want to be that. I want to be the WWE's Darth Vader. I want to be the bad guy, the real bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and boy, did he do that because no he one did. Like, and he was he was really good too. Um, yeah, for a long time. Yeah. Um. Okay, that's a good one. So, that's a good one. Yeah. Um. My number five. Got to turn back the clock to January twenty second, nineteen eighty, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. The legendary, living legend. That's an oxymoron. I'll just say it again. The <laughs> living legend, Bruno San Martino, facing his protege, his student, equally loved in a in a nice, you know, teacher versus student competitive, gentlemanly competitive match, Larry Zabisco. Mm. At the end of that match, Larry Zabisco can't win. And so he turns heel and uses a wooden chair to beat Bruno San Martino into a pool of blood, turning heel and becoming one of the most hated people in America. Mm-hmm. Larry Zabisco turning on Bruno San Martino. I this one I had this one I was just looking at lists and this one came up a lot. And wow. and I looked it up and like okay so bruno san martino he's a legend he held the the championship when vince's mm-hmm. father was in the company owned yeah. the company he held it for like 15 years he, he held it for yeah. like more than a decade yeah um, he currently he holds no one in wrestling period has ever or will ever hold a title longer than he did never it's, it's mathematically impossible nope. um, there i mean it's not impossible but but, I don't know what company today would keep something on someone that long. Yeah, the only person who could do that is Triple H. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. Um, but so here, here's what happened. So he was this big living legend. Uh, he's getting a little older. Uh, and for the longest time, Larry Zabisco, who's an up-and-coming wrestler, had been he, he had been well known as his protege and people were looking at him as like the next Bruno San Martino. And um, so they had this storyline of him just living in the shadow of Bruno. And so they had this match, he turned heel. And here's the reaction to when he turned heel. He, he was so despised after this. One, people would buy these hats that said, um, we hate Larry on it <laughs> or something like that. And like, people would know what you're talking about. Like you could wow. walk around and be like, yeah, I hate him too. Um, wow. But the, he was so despised that his car was repeatedly damaged. Huh. Taxis, taxis he was in were frequently overturned by fans who oh. tracked him down or saw him on, you know, um, he was after a match, a fan struck him with an iron pole. And after another match, he was stabbed in the ass with a knife by a fan. Oh my word. So he this, was attacked. Uh, he they this is how much people loved Bruno and hated Larry, Larry Zabisco. And he was the most hated heel 
of his time, I, I, people, I mean, Ric Flair is a pretty well-known heel, but I think like he never got like these kind of like attempts on his life. Um, mm -hmm. So when I saw like he was stabbed and hit and his cars were overturned and his property was damaged, I'm like, yeah, different Oof. time and place, you know, people still buy into it a little more than nowadays. But even then, to get that kind of emotional reaction out of your audience for being a heel, that is a great heel turn. Um, yeah. Uh, it's number five because I had to look it up. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't, once oh. I learned all this, I could not have it on the list. That's a great um, pick. Yeah, you're right. People actually attacked him. Yeah. Uh, you know, as opposed to Ric Flair, the only the only people that attacked Ric Flair was the Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> so that's impressive. Yeah. Um, number four. What's your number four? My number four is uh, is a big one. It's a little controversial because it's a non wrestler. Uh, one, Mister Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Mm. Okay. Turning heel even though he doesn't know he's turning heel post the Montreal screw job. Oh, Brett screwed Brett. Yeah. He is trying to explain what happened. And he says, and he comes, he thinks he's coming across as, Oh, let's, let me explain to you what happened. Yeah. Uh, what really happened was uh, you know, Brett's really the bad guy here. Brett screwed Brett because yeah, he didn't want to lose in his hometown. Brett. Yeah. And I still remember watching that. Uh, I still remember to this day after I watched it, I was like, is this for real? Is he really saying this? He's really, he's trying to come across as, mm -hmm. as genuine, as the face of the company going, Brett's the yeah. one who messed everything up. Yeah. Don't but he's coming across as a pure heel. Yep. And a real one. This is the thing is, and mm -hmm. that's the, the, why this is such a, an important heel turn. This is the real Vince McMahon. This isn't a character. Nope. This creates the character of Mr. McMahon. But what we got on Brett Screw Brett was the real guy who's actually not a good guy. Yeah. And then he somehow hornswoggled that hatred into <laughs> millions of dollars of himself to where, yeah. like, oh, people hate me. I'm going to make them pay me money to hate me. Yeah, which is such a weird. I mean, that's the whole point of wrestling. But to like when it it's unintentional hate, and then you somehow finagle your audience into seeing it as fake hate, or like you know, yeah, it's a character you hate. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. and it it's it's uh, it's on my list also because of the fact that it creates the McMahon character that yeah. dominates he really creates one of his greatest heels in himself yeah i i and, would argue it is his great he is the wwe's greatest heel yes yeah and, and i i and i i i'm pretty confident we are not the first ones to ever say that yeah uh and so with doing that i mean i'd have to have him on the list the reason i don't have him higher is he's a non-wrestler and it was on accident. Yeah. I think the art of the heel turn is the fact that you were trying to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the reason why it's not any higher. But 
it being so big, I, 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 it's, it's tattooed on my psyche. And in fact, most of, most of this list is from my experiences and going, I have to talk about this. And this is definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, number four for me. What's a good way to say this? Um, uh, I will I will quote this person by saying, "Frustrated, frustrated isn't the goddamn word for it." Bret Hart turning on America. That is my number four. Ooh, he, good one. When Ooh. he turned heel, he was frustrated, and it was so natural yeah. because he was. He, he was legit kind of getting screwed by like The Undertaker and then uh, I forget who else uh, like leading up to his match with Austin mm-hmm. and, and it's like he was repeatedly you know he's like I'm doing things the right way and yet I'm getting the un- I'm not getting the chances and and then you know they started breaking the wall with him like assaulting Vince you know he pushed him down and he's like it's like oh wait he's not the commentator. He's not just the commentator. He's like the boss. Yeah. And like him pushing him down and then go into that great double turn, which we've talked about before between him and Austin, you know, that, that submission match and just with him coming in the face and Austin coming in the heel, it's such a masterful job of the switch itself where he just gets so frustrated and he just beats the living tar out of Austin, who's passed out mm-hmm. and from bleeding. And the next night he comes out and he just rails on, and he says these things that you can tell he truly believes them. Like the state of uh, the, the wrestling world, the WWE, um, you know, where people like him who work hard and do things the right way, and are competitive and uh uh they're they're you know they're not sore losers they're you know it's all about the competition and you know the in fairness and all that are being booed and people like steve austin who are going around drinking beer using four-letter words and flipping people off and you know cheating to win like they're getting cheered which is true. People were cheering mm-hmm. Austin. The more he yeah. and the more he acted like, like a like a bad guy, the more people loved him. And then people were starting to boo, good you know straight away good guys. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I love, Bret Hart didn't you know he didn't do one of these, like I'm going to change my character completely into being this darker version. He literally just tweaked his character like ten degrees. Yep, and he was still the same Bret Hart. He he was just tweaked a little bit, and all of a sudden in America, and he went on to and and this and he, this led into him reforming the Hart Foundation with uh, Larry Neidhart, uh, and then adding to it uh, Owen Hart, uh, his brother-in-law, British Bulldog, and the Wild Card. Uh, uh, oh God, it's just slipping my. Uh, Brian Pillman, Brian Pillman. Yeah, um, yeah. Brian. They become 
so hated in the United States. They they start bringing the Canadian flag everywhere. Anytime they do a live show in the United States, they are booed out of the building. Anytime they do a show around the world, they yeah. are cheered. Yes. They like they are so oh. it is so they are be, because of this whole and at the time this whole like America on top thing and you know like there was a lot of this because he was going after like the kind of we're better than you America-ness thing it kind of mm -hmm. keyed in on people who weren't in America and was like yeah get him <laughs> get him get him Brett and of course, <laughs> because of course Canada is going to be behind him but like the other places other than Canada and it's funny to watch there's a raw I think it's a flag match that they're doing a tag match between Austin and a whole lot of other wrestlers that I don't remember and the Hart Foundation and there's an American flag on one side and a Canadian flag on the other and the goal is they have to get their flag in order to win mm. um, I call it flag on a pole match but I think that's just a flag so <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the only thing that should actually be on a pole yeah. you know not not uh you know not uh, a taser or yeah. uh you know the rights to uh your son dominic uh yeah yeah, yeah. uh or viagra um yeah oh yeah but niagara was, on a pole match. yeah if, if you go back and watch that match the the heart foundation comes out first and Bret Hart gets on the mic and he's and he says a few trashy things about America and they're in Canada when they're doing this and it is the loudest baby face cheer I have ever heard and he commands everyone to like let's be quiet and before anything else happens we're gonna have the Canadian national anthem and everyone joins together in singing oh canada and it is amazing and then austin and all the other americans come out and they are booed out of the building reverse that heart foundation when they're in america it's the exact opposite okay. and it's amazing that he was able to do that um the reason why it's not higher is because of that reason because it was a half and half it wasn't mm -hmm. a true like everyone hates me thing uh, but but just of how it is a heel turn. He is a heel. He he talks about it as a heel turn, um, and just how hard it is to ride that line and how carefully executed it was. I it had to be on my list. So that's my number four. Ah, uh, great pick. Um, only thing I would add to that, and you've you've essentially summed it up, is Cana the Canadian Stampede, the pay per view. Oh uh, yeah. You watch that, oh my word. I don't know if there was a better night for the Hart family oh, yeah. than that pay-per-view because that is the that is the culmination, or really, if you wanna if you just wanna watch one show that shows you how popular Brett's heel turn was in Canada, watch Canadian Stampede. And that is Oh, that audience is out for blood, and they are so pro hard family. Uh, it's it's insane. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, great pick. Okay. Oh, great pick. Uh, number three. Number three for me is another controversial one because again, non wrestler, 
Yet, for hmm. me, when I thought of heel turn, this is one of the first things that came to mind. When you talk about the idea of the turn, the idea of seeing that transformation in the ring from someone you're rooting for to someone you're shocked that you're rooting against. Jim, and the person. <laughs> oh, oh, Jr. <laughs> now that's a heel turn. Oh, um, real diesel. <laughs> and the real Razor Ramon. Oh man, talk about some great heel turns there. Uh, yeah, no, and my my nominee is not the uh, the anonymous uh, Raw general manager. Uh, my the one of the people that whose transformation embodies the 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 gut punch of a heel turn. You have to travel back to 1999. Armageddon, Triple H versus Vince McMahon. And they're fighting over Stephanie McMahon. Oh. And Stephanie McMahon steps into the match and you think that she's gonna level Triple H and she turns on her father. Mm. She oh. transforms from this innocent girl, which is how they were treating this grown woman, by the way, as, yeah. a, as a little girl. Mm. Um, and she just turns into just this evil sidekick of Triple H. And it embod her, her heel turn really goes side by side with Triple H's heel turn. Yeah. It defines a certain period of time where for a while SmackDown's first 10 minutes was just Triple H and Stephanie McMahon uh, just going on and on. Getting and you wanted them to go down hard. Mm -hmm. And it all started with this gut punch of a moment. I mean, this is almost as, uh, almost as Shakespearean as WWE gets when yeah. it's daughter against father. Oh, wow. That's a, that, yeah, I totally forgot about oh. that. That just he said 99. I was trying to think. I was like, oh, non-wrestler. But you're right. That was yeah. I when you, when you were describing all that, I have like I have the look on her face when yeah. like looks across at Triple H, and then the kind of dread look turns into like just turned on. Yeah, <laughs> you know? she hugs him, and then she hugs him, and they make out in the ring while her father's like a bleeding mess on the floor yeah like yeah that was whew, yeah that's a good one that's a heel turn yeah and the, yeah the mcmahon helmsley era i actually don't know how long that was technically an era but yeah, yeah I remember let, that. let me look it up here it says uh, forever it lasted <laughs> that's forever true. it felt that's like true. it it never ended um it, yeah technically we're still in the mcmahon helmsley era yeah so um yeah, that's a good one. Um, so that was number three. Okay, three. so you're number three. This is my number three. Uh, and this one might be really quick. Um, my number three, Brett screwed Brett. <laughs> Mr. McMahon is born. Yes. And it's for all the reasons you said before. Um, 
the reason I, I, I originally put it much higher on my list, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, it is a non-wrestler and it was unintentional, as you said. Um, but I still had to keep it. I couldn't put it at four or five because I was like, it. like I said, he is the best. And the weirdest thing is the biggest, best heel in WWE history is a non-wrestler. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And that like the biggest face of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin, his big heel he was rumping up against was not The Rock. It was Vince McMahon, a non-wrestler. Yeah. And those two needed each other in order like it, it was amazing and and the fact that they were able and that it was an accident and they somehow were able to turn it into something that could work for them as opposed to against them um was amazing and you know at the time eric bischoff had already been doing the you know heel boss thing over at wcw um, so this wasn't an, a new idea. Um, in fact, at the time they had that across, you know, their competitors, but they did it so much better yes. because he, he really found ways to make himself not just hated, but annoying the way he would say you're fired, which has become a, like a, a thing now. Um, mm -hmm. the, I mean, even the really dumb stuff like at the time you kind of bought it like it was me austin it was me all along austin like <laughs> i look back on that and i'm like oh that is ridiculous that is the stupidest thing ever but at the time watching it i remember watching it and being like oh my god the nerve of this guy god i hate him because yeah, i was kidnapped like his own daughter kidnapped his own daughter like how did like he he tortured his whole family just to get to stone like oh what a piece of crap um of course you try to work it out logically and it makes no sense <laughs> and it's like oh they had no idea where it was going mm -hmm. um but the legacy of mr mcmahon is so important particularly because it helped them get through a time where they might have been might have gone out of business um they were losing so bad to wcw um that that i just had, I had to put it there on the list uh, yeah not hired because yeah he's not a wrestler and it was total accident <laughs> um yeah. if that was today vince he would have stuck with his guns and he would have been people would have been telling him like just become an on-air heel and we can turn this in our favor and today's vince would have been like no no i'm the good guy people need to know i'm the good guy let's keep working on it um yeah and then he would finally turn heel after all of us like just don't care anymore. <laughs> uh, so, oh, so true. So number three, uh, number two. What is your number two? My number two is I like it so much. I almost want it to be number one, but I can't. Um, but my number two does such a good job of straddling fiction and reality mm -hmm. that it danced on this line so well that it became it eventually became uh 
a heel that people wanted to talk to, that people were talking about on legit sports uh, websites and news. Um, that's where it ends up. Where it starts is with this underdog wrestler starting his own cult. CM Punk's Straight Edge Society. Oh, oof. Is incredible. Oh, yeah. He started, he came into the WWE as this underdog, this scrappy guy who came from like Ring of Honor and, you know, he's going to the top. And then he takes this turn where he's a cult leader. He's having people take like leaps of faith. He's shaving people's heads. Mm -hmm. And he is just this weird dude that made compelling television. Yeah. You had to watch because like how much of this is real? This is weird. And that alone in itself is a compelling term. He he morphs that after after people get hurt and people get released. Yeah. He morphs into taking over the Nexus and naturally has this rivalry with John Cena. And people, I think, over emphasize the pipe bomb speech that he gives to John Cena, which is like, like maybe what, two weeks away from money in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't think they give enough credit to is the week before when he wins the number one contender spot. Yeah. And he gets that microphone and says, give a speech there too. Yeah. Where he, he sits in his, uh, in his squatted position, demanding your attention. He doesn't stand up like every other wrestler, pacing back and forth. He sits down, and he, sometimes he says it, sometimes he doesn't, uh, do I have your attention? Yeah. And he says, Money in the Bank's going to be a historic night, not only because I'm going to win. I'm going to win, but I'm also going to leave with the belt because my contract expires that night. Yeah. That for me is the big CM Punk moment because I wonder how much of that was reality and how much of that was pre-planned fiction. Yeah. Because as far as I know, his contract really did expire that. It night. really did. It really did. And from what I, at least legend has it, he didn't actually sign his contract to be extended until that night. Yeah, they they had two different ways they were gonna go with it, depending on how uh, if he signed or not. Mm -hmm. And no one's really he hasn't really said anything. No one else has said anything on like if he would have played ball with their plan had he not signed a contract. Mm -hmm. But yeah, from what I can tell, it's legit. Like he really didn't sign a contract until that that day, and he he didn't right. know coming to the arena if he would sign it or not. Yeah. Um, so you, I mean, just all those real life factors, uh, the authenticity of CM Punk, his delivery is just compelling. I've been rewatching some of his Raws and he is, I, a heel, a good bad guy has to believe they're the good guy. 
And I don't think I've ever seen a heel in professional wrestling who believes more than anyone else that he is the good guy. Absolutely. He's the underdog. Yeah. And his delivery of that is so compelling, so real Mm -hmm. that it is just a great heel turn that demands your attention, that makes you wonder, what is he going to do next? Because this is nothing we've seen before. Yeah. So he does the job of the heel uh, so well. Uh, the only thing that really is the strike against it is Vince McMahon ruining it by coming yeah. out, doing the contract negotiation. And whether Vince knows this or not, it turns Punk into an anti-hero. Yeah. In that moment, uh, by the time people are chanting ice cream, yeah. uh, you, you know something's up. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it is incredible. Uh, but it also makes sense that this compelling heel who has a point, who has a beef, is going to eventually create his own cult out of the WWE fans. Yeah. And or even when so, he's not there, they're chanting his name. Yes, yeah. to this day, actually. To this day. Uh, back when they were fan, back when fans were in the in the room. Yeah. Um, Wonder why they haven't been CM Punk chants to the Thunderdome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it just someone's match. Just <laughs> yeah, if they're gonna if they're gonna throw in uh, all those other chants, yeah. why not? You know, this is awesome. Why not CM Punk? Yeah. Uh, it's just so great. So he does the job of the heel so well of building up your anticipation for the pay-per-view. That's the job. That is the job of the wrestler. And better than anyone else, at least at that time, he was the king of building to that pay-per-view. And when you get to Money in the Bank, you see... All his work has paid off. Yes, on top of it is it, it is in Chicago. It is in his own hometown. Yeah. But I dare defy any other city not have a similar reaction. Absolutely. The more that I look at it, uh, especially when you take into account the anti-hero status he's at uh, a week to go, that people wouldn't be clamoring for him to beat Cena. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he the fact that he wins just blows the kiss to Vince McMahon and takes off is just the icing on the cake. That that's that, a, that's a really good one. That yeah. is a great heel. And you can see why I wanted to put that at, at one. I I thought about putting that on my list. It's not. Um, I really but I couldn't all of mine I like had I had focused on a specific the specific moment that it happens mm-hmm. there was no real specific moment where cm punk became the heel he just kind of always was him mm-hmm. uh, right but I, I the straight edge society to me was one of the the best most original most underrated and way underused and underutilized things in modern wwe history they could have done 
so much more. I fell in love with the Straight Edge Society and CM Punk way before the pipe bomb. It was mm-hmm. it was when he was with the Straight Edge Society. It was Raw, or I think it was Raw one thousand or maybe nine hundred. It was a big Raw anniversary, mm. and he was on SmackDown, so he appeared and he, he you know is the heel. And he starts running down raw, having poor values, um, and showing clips from great moments in raw. Um, <laughs> and you know, and then at the, the the last one, he's like, um, uh, misuse of uh, company property or of um, whatever. Uh, through beer by use of a fire hose and he shows the clip of austin spraying mr mcmahon and you know with the fire hose and everyone's <laughs> cheering and after that he's like oh you like that don't you and the straight society is around and he's like and he's like yeah you like beer and you like all your alcohol you know he's like you want to see that don't you you want to see trash like that you want to see stone cold steve austin come down and spray CM Punk in the Straight Edge Society with beer via a fire hose. And they all scream. It's like, would you like to see Stone Cold Steve Austin come on down and spray us with a fire hose of beer? And they're all chanting um, that they do. And they're like, hell yeah. And like, and then he's like, well, it's not happening. He's not here and he's not going to do it. And all of a sudden glass breaks. His song comes on. To quote Michael Cole, the place becomes unglued. <laughs> so loud, everyone and everyone in and the straight at CM Punk, they're all kind of like, oh, oh my God, oh my God. And then a few minutes go by, no one's come out. And then and then he's he starts laughing. And then they all start laughing. At one point, he's laughing on the ground, like and kicking his heels around. And he get and then the music dies down. Everyone's booing, and he's like, "Oh, you bought it. You fell for it. You obviously fell for it." And just the idea of he took it to the extra level of trolling the audience, because of course we all—it's a big anniversary show. There are legends on the show. People were thinking maybe Austin might be there, and so of course, like this is his one moment. He comes out. He has a modern heel in the in the ring. He gives a stunner, throws some beers back, you know, throws at the middle mm-hmm. finger. Comes out. A great, nice little moment for everybody. That's what everyone thought was going to happen. Yeah. And, and CM Punk gives it to you on a silver plate. Here, it's going to happen. And then he, and he trolls you with it. It is yeah. so masterful. And I loved it so much. It was so great. And then he followed it up by being like, he had a match coming up with the big show. And he showed the clip where Brock Lesnar suplexes him and it breaks the, you know, and he's like, this clip is from a from a good show, a better show, SmackDown. Um, and he shows the clip of Brock Lesnar suplexing Big Show through the, uh, and breaking the, the ring. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to put that on my list, but, because it's so good, but yeah, I just didn't, I didn't feel like there was a moment where right it's not turny enough for you yeah 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 um yep i get it so number two i will say my number two 
and I want you to stop. I'm going to say three words. And if it is your number one, I want you to stop me. And we'll just okay. talk about it together. My number two. Mega powers explode. No. No. Okay. Macho man turning on Hulk Hogan. Nice. That is my number two. I had to put it on here because, and we've, we talked, we had a whole episode where half of it, we were talking about that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for those of you joining us in this episode, uh, I believe it was best WWE story, best wrestling storylines. Mm -hmm. um, that's the one you chose. And it is the WWE to this day, their crowning achievement in storytelling. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been as perfectly done as it was here. And to have it done by Macho Man, who's got this reputation of, you know, being a little off. Yeah. Hogan, who is has this reputation of like, oh, he's a big star, but like he's all about himself. And, you know, he's not the best wrestler. And he does like five moves and that's it. For it to involve these two is it makes it even more special because it shows it gives you an insight to i mean this whole storyline gives you an insight to psychology and the importance of storytelling and patience i feel like the every time the wwe nowadays rushes something like let's say they have a hot new heel monster uh that they're i don't know calling the fiend let's just say that and he becomes really yeah. popular and he because everyone wants to see him yeah uh, you know the wwe might say i don't know rush it by putting the title on him right away even though it's like okay now where are you gonna go and they don't yeah. think about so like okay have him go against seth rollins who's also a face that kind of ruined both careers i don't know yeah uh, like or have him lose in saudi arabia to goldberg maybe yeah. i don't know uh, every time they do something where they rush it and they don't take their time I just I, I, it makes me so upset because they have shown what they can do if they just have patience and take their time and they've done this a few times they've done stuff like this before really long term storytelling like the Kevin Owens Chris Jericho feud Mm -hmm. um that was a long it was but it wasn't as long as this one it was like six months six mm -hmm. eight months worth of build-up to the eventual explosion of those two friends this was like this was a wrestlemania to wrestlemania this was the and they were very deft and they they just they it was sprinkled here and there the crackling of this tag team these two huge stars and these friends and then Hmm. And you see that the crumbling, like the slow little bits of, you know, of jealousy on, on, on Macho Man, just, just the kind of like, just the paranoia kind of, you know, it's a little bit here, not quite a little bit here. And then there's a little more, and then there's a little more. And then, and it, it's, it's like, you see it building, building, and it just explodes in this perfect moment and then have the match and it's just the storytelling and even after that 
to continue the story even without Hogan, with Macho Man now without uh, without Miss Elizabeth, mm-hmm. you know, and he goes to Sherry, and then losing his career, and then but then getting yeah. back together with her, and that being the wrap of the story, like. Mm-hmm. This is some of the finest storytelling in WWE, and it's a heel turn for one of them. And for me, that I wanted to put it number one, but my number one, I just I I knew what my number one was, and it couldn't be anything else. Um, but th- this is sheer like perfect storytelling in wrestling. Yeah, great um, storytelling. You know, and when I'm think when I think about in like fiction and like theater or or you know watching a movie or reading a comic book, whenever they have an instance where a hero is going to turn villain or like a, an ally is going to turn enemy, um, you know, there are a lot of good ones, and I would rank this up there with some of the best of them in all of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it's so good. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's my number two. Great so, pick. Number one. I thought you might put this on your list. It's not on your list. What? Yeah. Is, very interested to hear what your number one is. Uh, reason I didn't put that on my list, I think, just because the macho turn didn't. Uh, it didn't make an impact on me. Like I never trusted macho. I could. He see was that. always out there. He was always like. Uh, yeah. Yeah the madness so even though the storyline perfect i'm i when i recently rewatched those matches and they build that from match to match just yeah, still hold up. still holds up still holds up because it's great storytelling yeah it's yeah it's still great um but yeah it didn't um for whatever reason the turn didn't uh it didn't stick with me like uh right it didn't make the impact that these others did and then for number one is more of, I think in retrospect, just the, uh, in the, the historical context of it and what it meant for this guy's career, I put it as number one. It is, it's similar to my Triple H pick. It is what they tried to do at WrestleMania 17 and failed. Mm. At Survivor Series, they have a tournament to see who the next champ's going to be. Yeah. And Austin's in there, The Rock's in there, Mankind, who is the adopted son of Vince McMahon. Like, yeah. And the final comes down to The Rock and Mankind. Wow. And Vince screws Mankind and gives Rock the belt. And Rock, who was this white hot baby face at the beginning of the tournament, mm-hmm. that people had been dying for this guy to finally get the belt. He gets the belt and he's a corporate stooge and the building just hates him. That is a turn when you can over just in a second, in, in a second turn an entire stadium around from rooting for you to booing you in half a second that's a turn and they did it right that time and how they screwed it up in wrestlemania 17 i think only shows how great this turn is yeah and it is 
a gigantic rocket pack to a guy who was hot already, but his heel turn against Austin is why The Rock is The Rock. Yeah. The why he is a household name, why he is uh, one of the biggest money-making guys in Hollywood today Yeah, is that heel turn. And why he's on, you know, people's all-time lists, why he's on on somebody's Mount Rushmore. He was only a wrestler for a few years, yet people will never forget him. And I think that doesn't happen without that heel turn in that year. Yeah, that that definitely brought him, in my opinion, from kind of upper middle card flirting with, you know, main event every once in a while guy to, oh, if Stone Cold ever goes down, we got another one right over here. Mm-hmm. Which which is what why that era was so incredible because you had two guys at a level no one else has been at at the same time in the same company and yeah that definitely him tur- him joining the nation turning face, turning heel then was a big one but that one definitely cemented like because he started to get some fans back. And like you said, he said people were starting to be like, "Yeah, let's go, Rocky. Let's go, Rock." Mm-hmm. And then to ally himself with the biggest heel mm-hmm. that they got made him by proxy the biggest heel. On t- yeah, on and, top and, of that, and yeah, everything that comes after that is is a result of it. He's the corporate champ. Yeah, which I think is a, what you exact said was exactly what I want to say is with the heel turn, it's not only just a heel turn, it's a heel turn that comes with the belt. Yeah. Which is what I think also makes this heel turn so important. I mean, he's, it it, it is important. I mean, they not only make him a bad guy, by putting the belt on him as a bad guy, they're saying this is- bad guy. Exactly. Yeah. So it makes it makes a good heel turn, a great important heel turn, yeah. and for me, number one, only because um, there's a certain heel turn that I didn't put on my list that I'm assuming is your number one. It probably is. Um, okay. So then, so then my number one. Surprising nobody is Hulk Hogan betraying WCW and joining the New World Order. Yes. Which yes. side is he on? Which whose side? Yeah. Th- thanks a lot. For thanks, the- Bobby. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, he was not at the pre-meeting meeting. No, no, he wasn't. Oh. No. I mean, it was still so amazing, though. It it kind of you don't. Uh, he tried to save it when he's like. Like he gets in the ring and he's like, he's like looking at him outside and he's like, oh, there he is. Go get him. Go get him, baby. Or no, that's uh, Dusty who says that. Yeah. He's like, go get him. Go get him, baby. Go get him, holster. And then yeah. leg drop right on his brother. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I put it number one is because for shock factor, yep. It would, I mean, he was synonymous with good guy. Yes. 
you know he he, he was it was captain america it's like saying it's you know it's as shocking as seeing um you know superman do evil things like snap necks mm -hmm. kill people yeah uh yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah who would ever do that I, I don't know um oh. i guess that's more realistic um <laughs> you know for a person who from another planet who flies and has laser eyes yeah. um yeah but, way to ground it yeah <laughs> uh but him turning heel it I mean, yes, there is one aspect of people were booing him already because yeah. they thought he was boring. Mm -hmm. But there's a difference between people not having the hate of no one wanting to see you or getting tired of you being in their face all the time and the hatred of, I want to see everything taken away from you. Yes. And that's the hatred he got yeah. because it was... It's also playing with that reality of this is who Hulk Hogan always has been. And mm -hmm. we learned, we've learned since kind of who Hogan always was and yeah, and was at the time. Uh huh. Guy who's all about himself. Yes. You know, like he, he has some good factors to him, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's, but where's my spot? Yeah. You know? And and Hogan, they have tried in every federation, in every wrestling organization, they have tried to recapture the magic of this shocking Hulk Hogan turn ever since. Yes. They tried it with The Shield. They tried it with, um, they tried it in TNA with Jeff Hardy and Hogan, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to kind of like give you that extra, like um, they, they've tried it so many times and it doesn't work as well. Sometimes they get it and it, it works pretty well, but it will never work as well because you have a decade plus of this guy being, you know, Captain America, it's Captain America, Jesus and Superman all rolled into one. Yeah. And, you know, He's telling people to eat their prayers, or say their prayers, eat their vitamins, and yeah, eat their you know, yeah, eat their prayers their and say their vitamins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and vitamins. vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin B. Um, Good. <laughs> but like he, and then to have him all of a sudden not just go like I'm the bad guy, but like it's all about me, and not only that, he essentially came out and said, "I'm here for the money." And I'm going to dominate this company that is a low-rent dumpster. WCW sucks. All of you Southern wrestling fans, you suck. I am wrestling. I am Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And, and the whole idea of like, hey, these two bad guys that you guys don't like here, you know, going after, you know, your Southern good guys of Ric Flair and Sting and, you know, and and macho man even like you know who, who who do you think let him in you know they're from the wwf who who do you yeah. who do you think knows more about that and his his promo is so convincing when he talks about everyone living off of hulkamania mm -hmm. living off of hulk hogan and now he's just all about himself it kind of floats really well because 
there would not be WrestleMania without Hulk Hogan. Yes. There would not be a modern WWE making billions of dollars without WrestleMania, without yep. Hulk Hogan. Vince McMahon would be a used car salesman if not for Hulk Hogan. Preach it. Like, and and wrestling as an industry would not be where it is without Hulk Hogan. Yes. You know, as whatever you say about his personal life and for him to- There's just, plenty to say. There's plenty to say. For him to blur that line and like say all these things that are true and the best heels, they blur that line of truth. Like with CM Punk and and The Rock too. Like yeah. to a certain extent, it blur that line so well. And and he he was in his forties when he did this. Like it, he should have like it. It gave him an extra ten years on his career when he probably should have been done he thought he was done before he came to wcw uh he was off making you know thunder in paradise and stuff so you know i i i it's it's i I don't know what else i can say about it other than just it it's an amazing heel turn the impact and legacy of it um i think speaks for itself and just for me my you know that was the big heel turn of my youth that really stayed with me so yeah that's that's uh that's my number one um yeah so there is our list let me recap here my number five larry zabisco turning on bruno san martino number four Bret Hart turning on America. Uh, number three, uh, Mr. McMahon uh, is born in Montreal. Brett screwed Brett. And uh, number two, Mega Powers explode. And number one, Hulk Hogan turning on WCW to join the NWO. Hey, folks, Kevin here. Just uh, so at the end of our recording here, uh, Sam dropped out, uh, his uh, connection dropped out. Uh, we did try to reconnect and get his final thoughts on uh, my number one and recap his list. Uh, unfortunately, we uh, weren't able to connect. So um, uh, anyway, I'll close this out today. Say thank you for listening. Um, come back next month. We'll have a new episode and uh, should start heating up here on the road to WrestleMania. Sam and I will have... Uh, another topic and other things to talk about as well as news about the podcast going forward. Um, So yeah, thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time.